And verse number 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, that all eat the same spiritual meat, that all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, blood of the Lamb, Redemption, deliverance, freedom, baptism, daily provision, bound for a promised land, with many of them, God was not well pleased. Which, obviously, everything doesn't please God. Some things please Him, some things displease Him. And everybody doesn't please God. Some people please Him, some people displease Him. God was not well pleased. For they, that's redeemed people, trusting the blood... They were overthrown in the wilderness. I don't want to come short of what God has for me. And I don't want you to come short of what God has for you. And the Lord, in writing the Bible, He doesn't want any of us to come short of what He has for us. And so He says, Now these things were our examples. We don't put much emphasis on Paul or Peter or James and John, the penmen who recorded these these scriptures, we believe these words of God given by the Holy Spirit, but, but he didn't say, now these things were your examples writing to the carnal church at Corinth. The apostle, Paul, finest Christian ever lived as far as anybody knows, said, our examples, he said, I need these warnings just as much as you do. And not a person, not a person who is not advised to take heed. And so he says in verse number 6, Now these things were our examples to the intent, this is God's intention, we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. We talked about that uh, last time we were together. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Verse number 12, or 11, Now all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Verse 14, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. The reference is to the golden calf affair. And we'll spend many weeks on that great chapter from Exodus just as soon as we finish this material in 1 Corinthians 10. The people who had come out of Egypt on Passover night and who had crossed the Red Sea on dry land were now encamped at the base of Mount Sinai. And suddenly that, that mountain and the ground around it began to quake. And the mountain was on fire, just like the burning bush. Uh, before Moses went into, into Egypt to deal with Pharaoh, the burning bush was on fire, but wasn't consumed. This mountain was on fire, but no lava flowed down to consume the people below, and no volcanic activity shot upward into the air. It just, just the mountain itself was burning, but not consumed, and thunders and lightnings were taking place on that mountain, and Moses went up with Joshua into that mountain and God wrote with his finger on tables of stone and gave his commandments 
to the nation of Israel. At the foot of that mountain, with the ground shaking and the lightning flashing and the, and the fire burning and the voice of God thundering, those people made a golden calf, pulled off their clothes and danced around it, and offered sacrifice to an idol made with their own hands. How in the world could those people have done that? But then the question follows, how in the world could God think that we would do that? And yet, He does, He must, He said, I am writing to remind you of their history, lest you repeat it. That's terrifying to me. And he didn't say if you've only been saved a few weeks and don't know better. He he didn't say if you've only been saved a few months and you're not well grounded. He said, I'm talking to you, Paul the Apostle. I'm talking to you, the pastor at Corinth. I'm talking to you, that carnal church member at Corinth. And I'm talking to everyone who will ever read these words in my Bible. I'm talking to you. What a remarkable thing. The people who had seen the greatest sequence of miracles in the history of the world had settled into a routine life without regard for the Lord in a matter of weeks. Moses went up on that mountain. He'd been gone 40 days. Seven days in a week. 42 days. This less than six weeks. Now, now think about this. If tonight... This is, this is May, what is it, eight, six, seven, eight, somewhere, what are we? March, March. It's one of those months with an M. Sister, daughter, wife, March, May. Okay, it's, it's March, what? Fifth, okay, March the fifth. Glad to know that. <laughs> Suppose tonight, not only, not only did you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. But everybody in your town who didn't trust Him as Savior, the firstborn in their house died. Then, then, this amazing thing, then just a couple of days later, you are baptized in such an amazing way that as you are baptized, everyone from your old life who would try to drag you back into that life was also killed. They're all dead. And you got up the next morning and outside your house, not an indwelling Holy Spirit, not a, not a written scripture, outside your house was this column of fire that reached from your front yard all the way up into the sky... And God spoke audibly and said, just follow this. I'll show you where to go. And instead of going out looking for a job, you looked around and there's food falling down from heaven for you to eat. Four weeks in March, first week of April, second week of April, the second week of April. You've got your clothes off, you've made an idol with your own hands, and you're dancing around it and calling that your God. Now, doesn't that seem impossible? But that's what happened. 
That's, that's, not, that's not an exaggeration. That's what happened. They, they, say it took them two weeks to get out there. Say it took a month to get out there. Okay, okay, so it's, it's ten weeks instead of six weeks. Come on. You watched those ten plagues fall on Egypt? You heard the cry of the firstborn dying? You walked through that Red Sea? The pillar of fire is still there in the daytime. The pillar of cloud or uh, nighttime, pillar of fire, st- fire and cloud, they're still there. And while all that's going on, the manna's still falling from heaven. They're going out the morning they made the golden calf. They went out and gathered manna and ate it. You know what the Bible says? That's an example to you. Impossible. Never happened to me. Couldn't happen to me. Then then you don't believe the Bible. Who would make a golden idol? A man who was sitting down to eat when he should have been worshiping the Savior. Who would have who would dance around a graven image? A woman who's sitting down to drink when she should have been expressing her gratitude to the one who'd set her free. Who could be publicly naked in a wild revelry of sin? A people who rose up to play when they should have risen up to praise the God of all grace. Now every sin, every sin lurks in the shadows of each human heart. It's waiting for an opportunity to spring forth. That's what the Bible says. If you don't believe that, you're going to find out the hard way. The life occupied with God in thought, in worship, in service, in song, in labor, in meditation, provides no outlet whereby that sin may spring forth. Love fulfills the law. For the soul is fully devoted to the Lord, there is neither time nor place for the flesh to work its transgressions. God never tells you, you can be free of the lust of your flesh. It tells you to fill your life with righteousness. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I, that we, come on, we read it, we've read it three or four times now. The last three or four times we've been together. That was more of the flesh's flesh. If I give it time, it'll use that time. If I give it space, it'll use that space. If I give it liberty and freedom, it'll use that liberty and freedom. I am to so fill my life with spiritual things that there's no opportunity for the flesh to pursue carnal things. What happened to these people? They sat down to eat. They sat down to drink. They rose up to play. Where's God? Well, they didn't need Him right then. Egypt, they needed Him. Red Sea, they needed him. No food to eat, they needed him. No water in the desert, they needed him. Got everything we need right now, God. We're checking out on you. Going back to the flesh. We need you again. We'll be sure and give you a call. If a people sitting beneath a mountain burning with fire camped upon ground that was quaking, listening to the ringing blasts of thunder, could be so occupied with normalcy as to forget God... How much more those of us whose lives are pretty mundane. (laughs) Look, in the society we live in, there's nothing to remind you of God. 
if with all those reminders of the presence and the reality of God, they could get up in the morning and act as though there was no God? How much easier for you? How much easier for me? To get to this point on a Thursday night and say, you know, I sure I'm glad I came to church tonight because I need, I need to get my mind on the Lord. Save people. If a people who watch ten immense wonders fall upon their neighbors while they themselves escaped each one untouched, could revert to a life of meals and recreation with no place for the Almighty, how much more those of us who have never seen even the hint of the supernatural? We say, man, with all the miracles those people saw, how could they do that? Well, think how easy it would be for you and for me who've never seen any miracles. What's to get you, just just the last couple of days, what's to get you all excited about God? Mopping? Ironing? Changing diapers? Mowing the lawn? Wondering why the car won't start? Listening to cussing on the job? Fighting traffic, stuck in traffic, head cold, coughing, kids sick, dog tear something up while you were gone. What's to remind you of God? Come on, think about it. They ate, they drank, they played, they danced with God so visible, with God so real. He is not that visible to you. He is not that real to you. How much more susceptible are we to living as though He was not present? Tonight, a million men who have been delivered from the damnation of hell through the sacrificial offering of the Lord Jesus will sit at a table and dine to their heart's content thinking no more of the Savior's precious blood than does the dog waiting at their feet for scraps. What are they talking about, Obama? What are they talking about, how cold it is somewhere else? What are they talking about, how, how busy they were at work today? What are they talking about, how come the kid didn't get the homework done? What are they talking about? Anything their lost next door neighbors are talking about. Tonight, a million women will sit with a cup of tea or a glass of wine, reading a silly magazine or typing out nonsense on their phone, and not offer a moment's praise to the Son of God who rescued their soul from an eternity in the lake of fire. In fact, not only did they not thank Him, they didn't even think about it. It's like it never happened. Come on. They're sitting at that mountain, that mountain's on fire. They're sitting on ground, that ground is shaking. I am standing on ground tonight beneath my feet is a burning hell to which I'm not going. Just above my head and a twinkling of an eye from where I stand is the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what's real to us? Bills, repairs, schedules, 
alarm clocks, repairs, arguments, fussing, quarrels, kids, grandkids, neighbors. I'm telling you, this warning, this warning is is genuine, it's real. We say, how could they forget God? But we do. This Sunday morning, pastors from one end of the earth to the other will stand and tell out the wonders and glories of a merciful Savior in churches that are almost empty. The lakes are full of boats, the malls are full of shoppers, the golf courses are full of hackers, the ball fields are full of future superstars, the amusement parks and beaches are loaded. For all that the Most High God has done for sinners, they pay Him no heed. Oh, they've not made a golden calf in a fiery furnace, but they've made idols enough to occupy their time. They've made play toys enough to dance around while God is ignored. I'm telling you, every one of us needs to be warned. And every one of us needs to be reminded of how, how easy it is to just get caught up in life and forget the giver of that life. When we read a verse in the Bible warning us not to be idolaters, we have a tendency to pass over it dismissively. <laughs> I might do many things, but idolatry is not one of us. I wouldn't do that. That's not something I'd do. But the question is not, would I make an idol? That was the outcome. They didn't make an idol and then their hearts went bad. Their hearts went bad and then they made an idol. So the question is not, you know, we shouldn't say I'd never make an idol. The question is, how many times have, have, have I sat down to eat... Since the last time I offered genuine thanksgiving to God for delivering me from damnation. The people sat down to eat. Breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, supper, snack. One last handful of something before bed. And we've got to wait. We've got to wait until Sunday to have Daniel tell us to turn to a number in a book. And we offer some sort of distracted, half-hearted praise and thanksgiving to God. That's what he's talking about. We are fed as abundantly as those children of Israel were in that wilderness and then some. But with little real appreciation. With not much real gratitude. Save man. Save man. Save man. Save man. It's not a TV show, so they're not all sitting on one side of the table. They're, they're gathered around the table. And they're all saved, and they're all washed in the blood, and none of them's going to hell, 
And because it's the right thing to do, one of them will say a, a quick 30 second or, or if he's really fired up, one minute prayer before they eat. And then they'll commence to talk for four hours about everything under the sun. Look, nobody's saying it's wrong to get together and talk in fellowship with friends. But isn't it an amazing thing how much we have to say to other sinners like ourselves and how little we have to say to the Savior of our souls? We love to sit down to eat. Do we love to sit down and worship God? The question is not, would I ever fashion a golden calf? The question is, how many refreshing drinks have I taken since I last expressed my gratitude for the indwelling Holy Spirit? the river of living water, the wellspring of life, the cleanser of my soul. Out of bed in the morning. It might be coffee, it might be juice. On the way to work, another cup. Maybe a thermos, maybe a big mug. Maybe that five-gallon bucket Frank carries around with him and, and drinking out of. I stop to get gasoline. I go in to get a, get a, a, a soda. Well, for a dollar, for 20 cents more, I can get 60 ounces. Instead of, instead of 44. And what a deal. And so I drink that down. And then I get to work and take a sip from the drinking fountain. And listen, it goes on all day long. All day long. At the same time, within us, rivers of living water springing forth unto everlasting life. Do we ever thirst for that? Do you ever get as thirsty for a touch from the Holy Spirit as you do for that soda pop or that coffee or that cold water on a hot, dry day? Not that we ever have hot, dry days around here, but I'm saying they sat down to eat and they sat down to drink and so do we. And I want to respond and say, I'd never make an idol, but if, if what was lacking in their heart and life is lacking in my heart and life, is it any wonder God gave me the warning? The question is not, would I ever dance unclothed before the image of a beast? The question is, how many things in my life bring me greater joy and satisfaction than my relationship with God. It wasn't that they didn't have a relationship with God. They did. They were just excited about something He didn't want them doing. It wasn't that they weren't His people. It wasn't that they couldn't point to a time when they'd been redeemed and baptized. They just didn't want the life He had brought them into. They really wanted an Egyptian life. They just didn't want to die with the Egyptians. Do you know our churches are full of people that trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior because they didn't want to die with the Egyptians, but they sure would like to live like them? That's the warning. If I can feed my flesh but cannot adore my Lord... If I can drink the moment my body senses discomfort, 
but cannot be instant in prayer. If I can count down the hours until I engage in some form of play, but wish for the sermon or the prayer meeting to finish more quickly, then I must not ignore the warning we read tonight. The calf may have been made by their hands, but it sprang from their heart. You know, there's not a thing inherently wrong with eating or drinking or playing. But the people of Exodus 20 did those things with a zest not found in their worship. And that's the point of self-examination. We often make quick checks to make certain we're not doing anything terribly wrong. But the Holy Spirit asks us to make quick checks to see if we're doing what is absolutely right. Short little verses. You read them once, you know them your entire life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. These admonitions aren't vain words. You, if, if I could write this on the board, you'd, you'd see it. It would, it, would, it would be more impressive. The idol built the idol. The I-D-L-E built the I-D-O-L. If my mind is not engaged in, in worshiping the Lord it will be engaged in something other than worshiping the Lord. If my life is not devoted to the service of the Lord, my life will be devoted to the service of something far less significant and far less satisfying. Now let's look at a famous passage spoken by Jesus Christ, Luke 17. We mentioned this the other night. At least I thought we did. Luke 17. We've not read it together in this study. Luke 17. Verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noe, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat. That's not a sin. They drank. That's not a sin. They married wives. That's not a sin. They were given in marriage. That's not a sin. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. They weren't doing horrible things. They just didn't have any place for God in their life. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot. Oh, we know what went on in Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, let's see what Jesus said. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. Nothing there about their sexual immorality. Nothing there about their perverted tastes. Everything in that list is a legitimate, necessary part of life. None of those things are sinful. 
They did eat, not a sin. They drank, not a sin. They bought, not a sin. They sold, not a sin. They planted, not a sin. They builded, not a sin. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Not perverts, builders. Not reprobates, farmers. Not vile, horrible people smitten with blindness and still pursuing their lust. People that bought and sold. Now what's the problem? They forgot about God. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. You say, well, that, that's not me. I'm not, a, I'm not one of those sodomites. Well, verse 31. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop, and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. And here's another one of those verses that you just can't forget. You read it one time, you never forget it. Remember Lot's wife. See, she got out. She was delivered. She was led out of the place of destruction by the grace of God, by the mercy of God. But in her heart, she couldn't leave it behind. In her heart, she'd rather be in Sodom than be free. And she went no farther. That's it. As far as she went. Children of Israel, on the way to the promised land, they went no farther. They stopped right there in the wilderness. You know what, you know what can happen to me? 1 Corinthians 10. You know what can happen to me? You know what can happen to you? 1 Corinthians 10. You know what has happened to some of you? You have not returned to a life of sin. But all you do day after day is eat and drink and buy and sell and plant and build. And God's brought you out, but your heart is still back where it was. You're not in Egypt, but you sure wish you could live like an Egyptian. And you'll not go any farther. You'll not go any farther. Your heart will turn to a pillar of salt, just hard and dry and dead. And for long you'll be doing things that you never expected you'd do and never thought you'd do because the people around you are doing them and you want to fit in with the people around you. And, and that's the warning. It's a serious warning. The people drowned in the flood were engaged in not horrible practices, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Fire came down on Sodom and Gomorrah. What were they doing? Eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. It's, it's not what you'd expect. It's not what you'd expect. You see, when we read Genesis 6, we get all the nasty stuff they were doing. And we read Genesis 19, we get all the nasty stuff they were doing. When Jesus gives us the reason for the destruction, He says, 
By choosing to highlight what he highlighted, Jesus said, they did the wicked things because they weren't looking to me. What's the warning to you? What's the warning to me? 1 Corinthians 10. Where are you looking? What do you desire? What are you thinking about? What are you longing for? It's easy to say I'd never make an idol. But what's your attitude toward what the Bible says about the thing in your life that you know is causing you trouble and you refuse to deal with it? It's an idol. What does the Bible say? What, what, what's your attitude toward the thing that one person after another has said, you've got to deal with that, you've got to deal with that, you've got to deal with that, you've got to deal with that? Not gonna. You're dancing naked before a God of, of your own making. It's an idol. It might be an attitude. It might be a sin. It might be something God wants you to do that you refuse to do. It might be something God told you to stop doing, you refuse to stop doing. It might be might be something you just don't think it's all that big a deal. Well, why God even put that in the Bible? Well, shame he didn't consult us. You know, I'm about to write a Bible here. What do you think I should put in it? It might be some unforgiveness you want to hold on to. It might be some bitterness that you just like to keep on your mantel place. It might be some question you've got for God or some objection about something God did. And you know it's hurting you, but you just don't want to give it up. Or it might be, and this is, this is the main emphasis of our passage, it might be just Living life as though God had never done anything for you. I don't owe God anything. <laughs> Second Timothy three. One more stop this evening. Second Timothy three. Second Timothy three. Verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. God, how would we know? What would, what would, be, the, what would be the number one thing on your list? Verse 2. For men should be lovers of their own selves. It's idolatry. Thou should have no other gods before me. <laughs> how would you get before God? How did I get before God? Well, I know what the Bible says, but I think. Well, I know what the Bible says, but what I want to do is... Well, love is their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud. Boaster, somebody's proud and talks about it. The proud man's proud, he just kind of keeps to himself. <laughs> Blasphemers, disobedient to parents... Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. As we said when we started this series way back in January, isn't it an amazing thing that, that God said the older women have to teach the younger women to love their husbands? 
Why would you have to teach that to anybody? That's natural affection. Why would you have to teach parents to love their children? That's natural affection. Why would you have to tell people not to let a dog lick their mouth? (laughs) Just thought I'd throw that in there. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. Look, he didn't say, he didn't say, because here's what, he, he, he knew, oh, I love God, he didn't say you didn't love God. I love the Lord. He didn't say I didn't love the Lord. He said lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. More excited about the recreation time than the church time. More excited about the play time than the service time. Having a form of godliness, right clothes, still still wearing the right clothes, Bible in the hand. Still showing up at 9.30 for Sunday school, 10.30 for church, but denying the power thereof. I will act like a Christian is supposed to act, but I will not let God govern my life. Denying the power of what we try to evidence on the outside. You know what that is? That's one step away from a golden calf. From such, turn away. I don't need to hang out with those kind of people. I don't need to fellowship with that crowd. Online, offline, no line at all. I don't need fellowship with that crowd. From such, turn away. For of this sort, I love the Lord and I don't see anything wrong with it. Our church doesn't preach against it. Our pastor said he thinks it's okay. I don't know why you go to a church like that that always trying to send the Bible this and the Bible that. And why don't you know that you're, you're just supposed to follow your heart? From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses. God calls them creeps. <laughs> and lead captive. I didn't write the Bible, I, I, but I, I, just, I just read what it says. And lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. You know, it, listen, in the United States of America, women can wear whatever they want or nothing if they want to. United States of America, women can get a job, work a job, make money, get rich, own a boat, own an airplane, do whatever they want. United States of America, a woman can marry a man Decides she doesn't want to be married to him anymore. And somebody will make that man give him half his money for the rest of his life. (laughs) We want equality. That'd be nice. (laughs) 
And every day, women in America convert to Islam. You can't be any dumber than that. Do do you know nothing about Islam? (laughs) Have you not done any research into this religion you're joining? They're not going to let you do what Americans do. (laughs) Weird, isn't it? I go in the store and here's this woman, you know, she got her bath towel wrapped around her head and she's pushing a shopping cart. And I think, what that, that poor woman, it's a wonder she can function. Who would join a religion like that out of, out of choice? Amazing. Somebody led that silly woman captive. Two, two nice young boys knock on the door. Uh, hi, ma'am. Uh, we'd like to talk to you today about... We're, we're from the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. How would you like to be pregnant forever? <laughs> How would you like to be the sex slave of a god whose job it is to populate a planet? Oh, sign me up. How silly do you have to be to join that religion? That's weird. That's really weird. But there, there's some other people coming around. Some of them independent Baptists. Some of them fundamentalists. Some of them say they're saved. Oh, if I was you, I wouldn't listen. That, that preacher, it just, they just try to keep women in bondage. They just try to make slaves out of you. You're pretty silly. You, you, you let somebody turn you against the only religion that's ever set women free. The only religion that teaches men to treat their wives like Christ treated the church. You want to be free from that? You're silly. Come along telling young people. You know, you can, be, you can be 10, 11, 12, 13 years old and you can have eternal life just like a grown up. You can have Christ living in you just like an adult. And some kids will oh, well, that was you. I, I'd get away from that. Your mom and dad, they're trying, to, they're trying to ruin your life. Why don't you come hang out with us? We got drugs. We got booze. We got, we got, we're cool. You got to be pretty silly. Do you know what that Bible says? Lead captive silly women laden with sins. If you weren't in love with sin, you'd never listen to that stuff. Now, what's the warning? Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. The people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. You know what the objection professing Christians have to a church like this one? We're too serious about the Lord. We're too devoted to Jesus Christ. We're too busy serving God. We don't have time for folly and, and, and nonsense. And, and it's, it, there, there's too much Bible study and not enough play. You know why? Well, what are you going to do with that free time? Pull off your earrings and throw them in a fire and see if a calf pops out? What are you doing when that calf pops out? Pull off your clothes and, and dance a little hanky-panky? 
Put your right foot in and your left foot out and shake it all about. <laughs> Wasn't hanky panky, it was hokey hokey pokey. <laughs> was my baby that does the hanky panky. No mashed potato and a twist. And a what? <laughs> Thomas just volunteered to demonstrate. Show us that Afghanistan dance. <laughs> they call it the landmine shuffle. <laughs> Here's what I've found. Bible's true. This is what I found about me. Bible's true. This is what it says about you. If that mind isn't on the Lord, it's liable to go where it shouldn't be. If that heart's not devoted to the Lord, it's liable to end up devoted to somebody it shouldn't be devoted to. Do you know, it's a very short trip from preaching on the street in front of the bar to being in the bar making fun of the preachers. And you know, it's a very short trip from being in the bar making fun of the preachers to standing with them and proclaiming the goodness of Jesus Christ. Just all depends on what's in your heart. All depends on what's in your heart. And so the Bible said, Holy Spirit said, Paul, thanks for starting all those churches. Paul, thanks for taking all those beatings for me. Paul, I appreciate you being willing to die for me. I got news for you. Don't be an idolater. Me? Yeah, Paul, you. Don't be an idolater. And write it down. Tell everybody. Tell everybody that knows me. Don't be an idolater. People sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Boy, it sounded like America. You know, going out to eat used to be a big deal. My dad had a good job, and um, I don't know how much money he made. He never told me, but we, we, didn't, we didn't want for anything. And all four of us kids were born in February. And on, in, in February every year, we'd get in the car, and we'd go up and eat at this seafood place in the inlet, at, way down Ponce Inlet. It used to be called um, Down the Hatch or something like that. We'd go up there and eat. And then on, on my dad's birthday, we'd go up Daytona, and we'd eat at Steak and Shake. And man, we got to be teenagers. We got to, we got to get our own French fries. We didn't have to share them. That's a big deal. And on my mom's birthday, we didn't get to go. Mom and Dad went out to eat. Woohoo! Never ask about that either. And that's nothing to you guys, because some of you guys go out to eat that many times in a day. But now you go out to eat. And they got to have four TV screens pointing every direction so you don't go through withdrawal and shoot somebody in a, in a restaurant. And then they turn the sound down on the TV so they can play music while you're watching TV because you don't want to miss out on the rock and roll and the hillbilly swing and all that because that, that'd, be, that'd be rough. And then they got to have a playground for the kids to go down a slide because God forbid... They should listen to music and watch TV and, 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 and have to realize that mom and dad are at the same table with them. You got a country, they can't even sit down to eat and drink and then rise up to play. They got to play while they're eating and drinking. 
It's amazing. Now, there's nobody going to encourage you to flee from idolatry but Bible-believing Christians. There is nothing around you that's going to encourage you to live the kind of life God wants you to live. So you need to be in fellowship with the right kind of people, preaching the right message, and encouraging you to do the right thing, because it's a short walk from putting blood on the doorposts to dancing around a golden calf. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. All right, let's pray. Father.